Welcome to the weekly podcast for City Chapel at Slaughter Creek, the world's okayest church, right here in Austin. Get to know us better at citychapelchurch.com. We're so glad that you joined us today and hope you enjoy the message. Ready to jump into Colossians. Anybody ready to read from Colossians chapter 2? Awesome. Jonathan's ready to read for Colossians. Yeah, okay, I got some nods. Ricky's, Ricky's about ready. Um, cool. Well, let's put it up on the screen. Colossians chapter 2, verse 8, um, 9, and 10. We're going to get through three verses today. Um, some powerful verses. He says, See to it, see to it that no one takes you captive. That's 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 mostly what I'm going to focus on, uh, and then the explanation of that. But Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than Christ. That's a mouthful. Um, the, the, the traps, so to speak, that you got to look out for, he says, see to it that no one traps you or takes you captive. It, it's, it's, it's hollow and deceptive. We're going to get into that in a minute. Hollow and deceptive philosophy, or it's a way of thinking that's hollow and deceptive. And it depends on two things. One, human tradition. And two, it depends on what is what he calls the elemental spiritual forces of this world. It really, that means the element, it means the, uh, the ABCs. Uh, I would say it's like common sense. It's the elemental wisdom. It's the typical wisdom or the typical way that people think of this world. He says you've got to be careful of the traps that depend on human traditions and basic reasoning or common sense. Careful of those traps that depend on those two things rather, he says, rather than on Christ. Hmm. So is there a trap that depends on Christ? That's interesting. Is there a philosophy that depends on Christ? Perhaps. Verse 9, he says, For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. Verse 10, And in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. I want to talk to you today about the traps. Um, so I've asked, uh, I've asked if Peter would, um, would help us out here by, by hooking up my laptop to the screen. He's got to go back and do a bunch of stuff. Um, but uh, I want to show you, I want to talk to you about the traps, because I, and, and, and I want to show you how I study the Bible kind of at the same time, give you some equipment so when you go home, you can study Scripture as well. Don't have to rely on me. But two, man, I want to talk about some traps today. Uh, it, traps don't need much introduction because most of us know that we have traps. Most of us know areas of our lives in which we are in a trap. All of us, I'm telling you, all of us either have been in a trap or we are currently in a trap. And the truth is you can be, you can experience some freedom in Christ and still be in some traps in your life. Uh, there can still be some traps going on. And Paul says to the church in Colossians, he says, beware lest anyone trap you or anything trap you. It can be a person, it can be a thing. He says, you got to look out for, you got to watch out for the traps. See to it. That word see to it means to be watchful or be watching for the traps. And so if you're going to, if you're going to be watching for the traps, you got to be aware of the traps. And the, the wonderful thing about today's sermon is I don't really need a whole lot of introduction because most of us are pretty well aware traps in our lives. I was praying this week and pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. 
Um, I was praying this week, uh, and I was praying over the prayer request. You guys fill out prayer requests every week, drop them off in the bucket, and uh, usually on Mondays I come in and I, I pray over them. I just like to walk around here and just pray, and I was praying, and I realized something, that most of the prayer requests I was getting were prayer requests about traps. People, not not you all, it's, it's all the 9 o'clock service, They're all, they all got traps. I mean, it's, it's something else. It's amazing. Uh, much of the prayer requests, now the, 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 not, not all of them, but many of them are centered around some trap in someone's life that they cannot get free from. And they're praying for help, which is what you do. And so it was awesome. I was praying over one prayer request of somebody that had been in a trap for a long time. And it was, it was a particular trap, and I was praying against that trap. And, I, and, and because I knew I was preaching on this passage, I began just praying this passage, which is something you can do with Scripture. Because it's the Word of God, and God won't, His Word won't return void. And so I was like, God, uh, that, that this person would beware that they would not get caught, that no, nothing or no one would ensnare them or would entrap them, that they would not be trapped by anything. So I started praying that God would open up the door of the trap, that God would show them the way out of the trap, that God would break the trap, that, I don't know, God would do something. Like, God would help with the trap. Because, because this person has a particular trap that they filled out on the prayer card and said they've been struggling with it for years. But I also know that God's doing some great things in this person's life. I know that over the past six months, like, like I know that freedom has been dawning on this person's life because I've been walking with this person, and I know that freedom's coming into their life. I also know freedom's coming into several of your all's lives. This does apply to you. This isn't just the 9 o'clock. This is 11 o'clock, too, so you can go ahead and say amen now. Uh, it, it, but, I mean, there's been a lot of freedom. There's been a lot of freedom ever since like late December when God spoke to me and said, this is going to be the year of freedom for City Chapel. We started a sermon series right away on freedom, small groups around freedom. Then we jumped into the kingdom of God, which is a place of freedom. And then God led us to Colossians, which is a book, oh, kind of actually a lot about freedom. Jesus's life, his presence is freedom. You shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Therefore, he is freedom. And so I've been seeing people get free all over the place, but there's still this trap in this person's life. And so I'm praying, God, like, let's, all right, let's take on this trap. You've been taking on all kinds of other traps. Let's start breaking down this trap. And while I'm praying for this person, I'm also praying for all of you all because you all are dealing with traps as well. Maybe your trap isn't the same trap as this person, but I guarantee you have traps. We all have traps. Well, I have different types of trap. What? What's your trap? Maybe that's maybe that's the first question for you to answer. What's your trap? I don't know if you want to write this down, but you might want to you might want to identify it if you're going to look out for it. If you're going to beware of it, if you're going to make sure not to get stuck in it, you might want to identify what your trap is. For some of us, our trap is a trap of depression, and I don't mean like um some uh, I don't mean a chemical imbalance. I mean some people actually have a chemical imbalance. That's not a trap. That's something that, that you may need medication for, you may need help with. It's, it's, a, it's a physical issue. But I, many of us are not diagnosed with depression. Rather, we, we wallow in self-pity, I guess. Maybe that's a better version. Uh, holding it in, depressing it down. And for us, it's a trap. It's a trap of, of thinking. It's a trap. It's a thought trap. And our thoughts get stuck in this, this loop, the doom loop, and we never get out of it. And it's, it, it's a trap. It's a trap from the enemy. It's a trap that, that someone, the enemy, or something has ensnared us in. Has, it's a box that we've been put in. For some of us, we're uh, addicted to things, addicted to 
Substance abuse. Sometimes substance abuse is a trap. Alcoholism is a trap. Drug abuse is a trap. So what's your trap? There's, there's not one trap that's any better than another. But that's, why, that's why we're all on level ground at the foot of the cross because the society may say one trap is, is worse than another, but God sees all the traps the same. They all are things that hold us, that keep us captive. And for some of us, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's an addiction to a substance. For others, it's an addiction to approval. That's a, that's a, that's a Christian trap. That's the kind of trap that can put on a suit and tie and come to church, but really wonder making sure everybody's complimenting everything, making sure everybody's noticing everything, making sure everybody is recognizing me for everything that I'm contributing. That's, a, that's an approval trap. We're trapped in, in the addiction of the approval of men and women and people. We want, we want to make sure that they think well of us. That can be a trap. What's, what's your trap? There's, there's all kinds of uh, traps that we're facing. Some of us are, are trapped by shame. Uh, particularly, we're addicted to shame. We, we have to feel bad about ourselves or we don't feel right. If we don't feel wrong, we don't feel right. And uh, some of it is because we came from scary church where God was always telling us what we were doing wrong. And so we came to believe that a God that was loving us was telling us that we were wrong. We came to associate condemnation with love. And so if we're not, if we're not feeling shame, we'll, we'll sabotage stuff to create the, 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 the system to create shame in our life. Because you will always, you will always reach for, the, it, when, when, when you're in your trap, your trap will dictate your life. You're stuck in that trap. It'll, you, you're, you're, your physical, the outside of you will start to look like the inside of you, which, by the way, some of us are trapped by stuff on the outside, too. Some of us are trapped by Amazon Prime. <laughs> and I don't mean like we were trapped at one, po- at one point. I don't mean like we, you know, like, like we bought something maybe that we shouldn't have bought or something like that. No, I mean like we feel bad about ourselves, so we get online and we know that if we, that if we click this, that tomorrow a brown box will show up on our front door and we'll feel better about ourselves. And we're trapped. Convictions falling right here. All right, everybody. So um, Salash is, uh, let's reach your hands this way. Let's pray. No, this is like, like I said, it's not just the 9 o'clock, is it? It's the 11 o'clock, too. You all got some traps. I have some traps. Ro and I, this week, we're talking about our traps, and, and, and it's amazing how when you get God's perspective on traps, it doesn't bring condemnation. It brings freedom. And so what I want to do is, but I, what I want to do today is I want to expose the traps. Some of us are trapped in religion. Some of us are trapped in a, a, a to-do list and a certain, and a certain uh, level of righteousness that we can achieve if we just try hard enough. And we're trapped with the lie that if we just keep trying hard enough, we will be good enough. That's the not good enough trap. That's a, that's a trap. Some of us are trapped. Food, food traps some of us. Uh, one person years ago when we first started the church was telling me that they were having a bad day and what they would typically do is they would reach for a few burgers. They'd go buy a few burgers. And I was surprised by that because I, I've, not, I, I've never been trapped by that. So to me, I'm thinking, man, you're having a bad day. Why do you want to then get sick 
Like, like you know, that Burger King will do that, right? But it's a, there's a comfort to it. There's a there's there's always a reason that we get into our traps. It's not that we it's not that we hate ourselves or we want. No, it's because when we're when we're eating, we feel good. When we're eating something that tastes good, we feel good, and we can forget. We can escape all the stuff. That's, that's going haywire in our life. It's because we're out of control. Our life is out of control, and we can actually control that. Which, by the way, that goes both ways. It goes for overeating and anorexia and other forms of eating disorders. I think a lot of that can be a trap. You can get stuck because the need for control means, okay, well, I can not eat anything. I can go, you know, this long without it. I can get to this weight. I can, I can achieve this. And so, so many of us, we, 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 we can recognize the trap, but we can't get out of it. Pornography is a trap for a lot of guys. Uh, uh, as I counsel people in City Chapel, now I'm telling you, man, it's a, it's a major trap for a lot of guys and just don't know how to get out of it. You can know that it's wrong. You can know that the trap is wrong. You can, you can not even like the trap. And you can, you, can, you can try your hardest to get out of the trap and never get out. And Paul says, be careful lest anyone take you captive through this trap. And so as I'm praying for these traps, it's getting quiet. I must be talking about real traps. Nobody's laughing about Amazon Prime anymore. We're not, oh, so this is, this is a good time to act all holy and righteous. Like you don't, you don't have any mess. That's the nine o'clock. This was, this was really for the nine. I'm just practicing on you all for later, my television ministry. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, no, as I'm praying about the trap, I was, I, was, I was praying for this particular person, their trap. And, I, and, and God spoke to me and said, you don't really understand the trap. You can't pray against a trap that you don't really understand. You, you can, but it just, you'll, just, you'll just be throwing it out in the air. Because God's not going to open the trap. He's not going to break the trap. There's, there's, you don't really understand the trap. And I said, well, yeah, it's this. And I, like, this is the label. This is what the trap's called. Like, I just called out pornography. Well, that's, that's, that's a trap. And by the way, I would encourage you to, to label your trap, to figure out your trap, even write it down to identify it. But then once you identify it, realize that the label that you've given it, whatever it might be, an addiction to a substance, whatever it might be, is, is just the label that you've given it. It's not the label that God's given it. And what God spoke to me was, he said, that's not what I call it. You're calling it something, which it is something, but that's not actually what I call it. And so, uh, so, so I got to my Blue Letter Bible. I opened my iPad and I pulled up Blue Letter Bible right here. If you haven't used Blue Letter Bible, it's awesome. You can go to blueletterbible.org and study the scripture this way. Um, you don't have to be a Bible scholar. You don't have to have gone to Bible college. It, it helps, but uh, you don't have to. You can, you can understand certain bits of this, and I want to show you how I do it. So um, in our high-tech desk here, um, we have right up here in the top, the search bar, you type in the passage that you want to go to, whether it's a particular verse or a whole chapter. Um, then here you select the type of um, version that, that you want to go. By the way, uh, and initially when I did this, um, I, I went to the King James Version because that's the default. And I don't usually read the King James Version. What's interesting about the King James Version here is it says, he doesn't say don't let anybody trap you. He says don't let anybody spoil you. I was like, spoil? That's like, it's like milk. When milk goes off, anybody ever had any milk spoil? <laughs> like it goes bad? Yeah. And, and, I, and I, began, I began to realize that that is what the trap 
does. That is the purpose of the trap. A, 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 a gallon of milk that has been spoiled is just a gallon of milk that has been kept from use long enough that it's gone past its use-by date. And that's what, that's what the enemy wants to do with this trap. That's what all these traps that we're talking about, the purpose of them is to keep you stuck, to, to glue your feet to the pavement so that you don't obey God in the season, the window that you have to obey him. You have a particular window of opportunity. You have a particular window with your, with your spouse. You have a particular window with your kids. You'll, you'll never be this age again. You'll never be in this place again. There's a particular window for the obedience that God's calling you to do. And what the trap does is, it, is it, the, the devil knows he can't destroy you, so he just tries to halt you long enough that you go past your use-by date, that you get stuck in the same spot past your window of opportunity. I was talking to Micah this past week, and I got him a treat. It was like a chocolate cookie, ice cream, chocolate with chocolate chips. I'm all about, I, I kind of like chocolate. And so he's back there. He's eating it. We're driving in the truck, and it was just him and me. And he's like, Dad, how much chocolate? How much chocolate do you think I've eaten in my life? He's eight. I'm like, uh, I don't know, maybe the size of this truck, you know? And he's like, oh, that's what I was thinking. And I'm like, who is this kid? Who are you? But I said, well, yeah, you know, and so he's like, man, you know, he's like fantasizing about that much chocolate. He's like, man, what if I would have saved all that chocolate? I could have like a pile of chocolate the size of this F-150. And, you know, he's talking about like all this chocolate. And I said, well, yeah, but you're eight years old. So if you would have saved all that chocolate, most of it would be bad by now. It would have gone off, especially the ice cream sandwich. Like, that's not going to last eight minutes in Texas, let alone eight years. Like, that thing's, it's going to be all nasty and crumbly. It's going to be so bad. And he's like, oh, yeah, I didn't think about that. And that, that's the truth with chocolate. That's what I told him. I said, man, with chocolate, you got to eat it while you got it. Come on, somebody. You got to enjoy it while you have it. You cannot save it up forever. I mean, I know I'd live longer if I ate more spinach, but I don't want to be old and die with a taste of spinach in my mouth. I want to enjoy the chocolate, well, I got it. I'm feeling that right there, man. You got to enjoy it. Well, that's true with God. You have to, you can't store up revelation. You got to obey while he's speaking to you. You got to step out while he's speaking to you. You got to move forward while he's drawing you, while he's calling you. There's a window of opportunity. And what, what the trap will do is it'll, it won't destroy you, but it'll just hold you back. It'll get you to save all the chocolate, and then you find out at the end of your life that you just have a whole lot of stale, rotting nastiness. That's why, that's why there's some bitter people out there. They smell really bad because they feel like they've passed their expiration date. And the scent of their life is like spoiled milk because they've been spoiled, because they, 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 they've missed the windows all the windows that God put in front of them, all the opportunities that God put in front of them, they missed it. And that's what the trap will do, by the way. It'll, it'll hold you back. And so anyway, sometimes looking at the King James can actually be helpful. But here, for, for, for our purposes, I want to look. Um, actually, let's just let's go ahead and do the, the, the King James. Let's, let's just go back to exactly what I did before. And you'll see the word spoil here. But um, whenever you type in the passage, it brings up this, this uh, long page here that you can scroll down. And uh, for our purposes today, we are in verse 8. And uh, there it is. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, the tradition of men and the rudiments of the world or the ABCs of the wisdom of the world. Now, usually when I'm studying, I hover over this button on the left. You'll see that a button called tools. I've talked about this before, but um, you click on tools and the verse will blow up. Um, it will 
It will explode. Um, don't be alarmed. Uh, all it's doing is it's breaking down that verse, which you're reading in English. It's breaking it down um, from the original language that it was written in. So you see here um, the Greek word right here, the root, and that's the that's the root word, actually. But anyway, you have the Greek word here. If you can read Greek, that's awesome. If you can't, that's fine, too, because over here you have the English. And sometimes it's just helpful to see the breakdown, to see how it breaks down, even if you can't read Greek, just to see the actual breakdown of what each and every actual word means. And this is what I mean. This, this, is, this really helped me this past week. I was reading this. It says, beware or look out, lest any man, and then there's the word spoil you. But look, look, underneath spoil, there's another word. You see that? A sulagogeo. The sulagogeo is is the word, there's, there's, no, there's no translation for it. You see that? Over on the left, there's no English for that word. It's just an arrow. It's an arrow pointing up to the word spoil. Obviously, those are two different original words. You have esomai and you have sulagogeo. Two different words, but the, the sulagogeo is pointing up to esomai. The reason is, because esomai is the primary verb in the sentence. So we're going to do some English grammar real quick. Every sentence needs, what, a subject, um, a verb or an action, and then uh, an object of the action, right? So if you say, um, Harry lost his car, that's a real sentence because you have a subject. Some of you are taking notes right now. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, so you have a subject, Harry. And then you have a verb, lost, and then you have the object of that, the car. Technically, you could say, Harry lost car. That's the shortest possible sentence. It sounds awful, but, you know, it's the shortest possible sentence because it's a real sentence. Now, if you want to add some stuff to that sentence, you'll add what is called a participle. It's a long word, $5 word, but a participle is kind of like an adjective but for a verb. So it's, it helps describe the verb. So, for instance, Harry lost car. I know, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm losing row right now. Uh, it's just, just stick with me, stick with me. I was talking to, talking to some visitors after service. They're like, yeah, we weren't, we weren't sure where you were going there for a while. And then you brought it all together. I'm like, yeah, people say that all the time. Anyway, I'm trying to stretch you a little bit, okay? So, so, so Harry lost car, okay, that, that's a sentence. But you could also say, to help explain this, Harry lost his car while walking or wandering that's a better word, wandering through the parking lot of Six Flags. And that's actually a true story from this past week. Anyway, Harry lost his car while wandering through the parking lot of Six Flags. Now, that's a verb, wandering, but it's not the main verb. It's a participle, meaning it helps explain the main verb, which is he lost something. How did he lose it? Oh, while wandering through the parking lot of Six Flags. So you all can be like, oh, okay, now I understand. It helps explain, helps you understand what the real verb, what the real issue is. Well, this is the same way here. And this is what happened when God said, you don't really understand the trap. You don't really understand the way I, what I call the trap. I, I pulled up this, this, this phrase right here, and suddenly I saw... I saw that the word for spoil there is esomai, but esomai is a future form of the word imi, which is to be. It means, it means I am. Every language has some form of way, of way to say I am, right? I exist. Well, that, in, in Greek, esomai, is, it, it, means, it, it means to be in the future. 
So in um, uh, the Strong's Concordance there, if you click on that little number right right, uh, right up there, number 2071, that's the Strong's number, you can click on that, and you'll see that it says, it means to be, shall be, or should be. And that's interesting. That's the main verb of this sentence. When he says, be careful lest nobody take you captive or lest nobody trap you, the main verb of the sentence is not the word trap. It is you should be. Now, the word underneath it, the participle, is the word trap. Sula gogeo means to trap or to take captive or to carry away. So he's describing, he's saying, don't lose your car. Specifically, while you're wandering around in the parking lot, he's saying, look, the trap is, is, is the word aimi, not the word sula gogeo. So, so, so technically, sula gogeo is really the result or it's part of the process. But the real trap, the trap that God labels, the trap that I want you to look out for, this week and next week and for the rest of your life, the trap that I want you to identify, what God calls it, you might call it pornography, but you might call it eating disorder. You might call it depression, but God calls it you should be. And I don't think this is a stretch, grammatically speaking, because if we, if we pull back just a little bit, if we pull back just a little bit, the context of this passage is Colossians chapter 2. Um, Colossians is written by Paul to the church in Colossians because they were facing a heresy known as Gnosticism. That, that heresy taught, uh, among several things, one of the, uh, there was two main wings of Gnosticism. One of them taught that you really needed to adhere to the, the, the Jewish laws, specifically found in the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. Mainly, you should be. They, they, they had a whole lot of shoulds for the people of Kalash. You should keep the Sabbath. On Saturday, you should celebrate uh, the feasts that were that were that were handed down by God to the people of Israel. Uh, you should um, uh, keep the dietary laws, right? No pork, nothing with a split, nothing with a split hoof. You should, and 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 suddenly there are all these new shoulds added to Jesus to being a good Christian. And I know many of you probably haven't really ever thought about, should I worship on Saturday or Sunday? And if you haven't, you really need to read your Bible because it's not as clear as you would think, actually. This is a little challenge. Maybe we'll talk about that tonight in the podcast. Should we worship on Saturday or Sunday? Because it's a, kind of a big issue. And it was an issue of the early church, too, because these Gnostics were coming in saying, look, he, he, said, he said, honor the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And you guys are getting together on Sunday which is not the Sabbath, biblically speaking. Saturday is, and so, man, you need to be, you need to worship on the Sabbath. So it was big, all these shoulds that they were putting on the people, and Paul said, be careful lest anyone trap you or anyone should you. Be careful lest anyone should you. That results in a trap. In other words, you got to be careful who tells you what you should be. Because whoever can tell you who you should be can affect whatever you believe you should be, that's the shape you'll take in your life. You will try to be who you think you should be. And so if anybody can inform you, whoever can set your should can, can dictate your shape. They can, they can create it. They can, they, they, they can manipulate it. 
And Paul is, he's going to get into this, actually. In verse 11, he talks about circumcision because that was one of the shoulds. You should be physically circumcised. Based on the Old Testament law, you should be physically circumcised. And so Gnostics were coming into the church saying, hey, guys, I mean, it's really great we found Jesus, but hey, you should also be physically circumcised. And so that's verse 11. So that's next week. We'll be talking about that. Bring your friends. Be fun. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, but, but no, because Paul says, man, look, that was all pointing to something. All that was pointing to something, primarily Jesus. He says, be careful about the shoulds that are connected to human tradition. Be careful about the shoulds that are connected to human tradition because they will enslave you. They will ensnare you. And I know many of you haven't really thought much about that, but actually somebody was here at the 9 o'clock, by the way. Come on, somebody. Somebody at the 9 o'clock has told me that not like a 1,000 years ago and not in the Middle East, but like recent history, the church he came from taught those very things. You should be physically circumcised. You should celebrate the feast days. Like, you know, like 2019, they're still teaching this stuff. Why? Because it works. If you, get, if, you, if you can dictate the should in people's life, it works to keep them trapped. It's like, great, I'm keeping the feast days. Great, I'm not eating pork. Yes, I'm going to church on Saturday. I'm a real, and you get trapped focusing on that stuff. You never really get to know Jesus. And the enemy says, all right, cool. We got him with that. It doesn't have to be drugs and alcohol and pornography. It can be, it can be stuff that, that sounds really logically good. Oh, kind of like the elemental forces, the elemental wisdom of this world. If you have a philosophy connected to that and you allow that to tell you what you should be, that is what God calls your trap. And so what I'd like to do uh, for the next few minutes is just, is just delve into some of those traps. So Pete's going to have to be the man behind the curtain and go back there and switch around the backdrop and, and undo that and so that we can put some slides up because, because I want to start digging into, I want to start, this, this is kind of a teaching service today. I'm not preaching as much, but I want to start digging into um, some actual traps that, that you and I have and the should be behind the trap. This is what I've discovered is that uh, food, the food disorder is not really the trap. It's the result of being trapped. Pornography is not really a trap. It's the result of being trapped. It's the feeling you get when you are trapped. It's the activity that comes out of being trapped. Oppression is not really the trap. It's, it's, it's the thing that comes out of the trap. The trap, the name of the trap is you should be. And you fill in that blank. It's different for many of us, but actually it's not that different for most of us because the enemy has found that really a handful of traps work for most of us. You should be. And so the first trap that I want to look at is uh, uh, pornography because I think that that's a, that's a common trap uh, for many of, uh, of us and especially us guys, but us girls too. But the should be behind that I feel like, and this isn't, this isn't always true. There's different should-be's for different people. But the should-be behind pornography for, for most of us is you should be ignored. Now, I know that that, that, that sounds strange because you would think, oh, no, you should have no self-control. That's probably what it is. Probably what it is. Or you should uh, just, you know. No, no, no. Most, if, if self-control was all you needed to get out of 
pornography, then every time you saw somebody who's trapped in that trap, you just tell them, we'll just stop it. <laughs> but they try to stop it, and it doesn't work that way. Because pornography is not really the trap. It's, the, it's what comes out of being trapped. The trap of the should be is I should be ignored. You say, well, I, why would anybody think they should be ignored? Well, <laughs> maybe you've never been told that you're nothing. Maybe you've never been mistreated. Maybe you've never been put down. Maybe you've never verbally actually been told that you're not worth much. Or maybe... May, like you, you don't know what people have gone through to get them to the place where they're ready to bite the bait of I should be ignored. You don't know what significant people in their life have overlooked them and not listened to them and how many times they've been told that they should be seen and not heard and their opinion doesn't matter. I think one of the reasons why this is such a big deal with, our, with the men of our generation is because we have such a fatherless generation and because we, are, we have been so abandoned by people who ought to have given us value, but instead, through their actions, perhaps, over and over and over again, brought us to believe that we were actually insignificant. And because we're insignificant, if you take the logical, common sense knowledge of this world and apply it to the truth that I'm insignificant, you will come to the place where you should be ignored. Especially uh, in this post uh what a reality television. There's an oxymoron. In this post-reality television age, where honestly, to be famous, you just have to be interesting. You don't even have to be good at anything. You can be the Kardashians and literally be good at very little. <laughs> and yet you're interesting or, or you're a train wreck. You know, you're, you're a mess or you're, you know, you're loud or you're, 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 like, like you're, you're attractive. And so that's it. Your interest, man. Like if you, if in 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 our in our day, we have trans, we have like we've traded substance for 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 interestingness, for newsworthiness. Heck, if you're interesting, you can run for political office, even if you don't know what to do. Like you're just, oh, he's interesting. I like him. Yeah, I mean, okay, but because, but what if you're not interesting? What if you're not talented? What if you're not sexy? What if you, like, I think half of us guys, we could have grown up on an island with nobody to tell us that we were worth nothing. And we would just look inside ourselves and be like, I don't have that much to offer. I'm not that interesting. I'm not that talented. I'm not that smart. I'm not that good looking. I don't have anything. And so we buy into the trap that I should be ignored because that's kind of what pornography is. Pornography is, it's a fake, it's a, it's a fake intimacy. It's, a, it's intimacy without a relationship. It's turning to a computer screen or a CD or a DVD or uh, a magazine for the affirmation that you were meant to receive from your spouse. And so this is why the enemy tempts guys who are married and single. Single, well, you're not, you, don't, you don't have a spouse, so you're definitely not getting that. And so, hey, turn to this instead of turning to God. You are married, but your wife is ignoring you. So don't turn to her. Don't talk to her about it. Turn to this. It's basically when you turn to that, you are, you are resolving yourself. You're giving up. You're saying, yeah, God probably doesn't have anything better for me, and my spouse probably isn't going to be any different toward me. You're resigning yourself to the fact that I should get intimacy from a computer screen. It's a, I was talking to somebody after service who had struggled with this, and he was telling me, he said, 
He said, the way I used to think about it was, at least I have this. It's an at least trap. It's an, I, I wonder how many traps are just a at, at least version of you. Why? Because you've believed I am insignificant. Therefore, I should be ignored. Therefore, I should just take the scraps that life will throw at me. We don't, we don't enter into traps because we like being trapped. We enter in because we have already been trapped in the should be, should be ignored. Um, for, for food, oftentimes people turn uh, to food because they believe they should be in control. Because their life is out of control. Or because people have, have been in control of them. And they feel like they're in a place where they can't control anything. And so at least they can control that. And the trap is, I should be in control. You will always try to be what you think you should be. We're all reaching for our highest good. That's why, that's why A.W. Tozer said the most important thing about a man is how he answers the question, what do you believe God is like? Because whatever you think God is like, that will be your definition of good, and you will try to strive for your definition of good. And if you believe... And if you believe that, that being in control is the, element, is, the, is, is the perfect good, then you will strive for control in your life. You will strive for it. And by the way, all of us, you might understand this already, are out of control. There is so much in our life that is not in our control. I mean, you have some control over your mind and over a couple of things. But even then, do you know how much of your mind is influenced by your hormones? <laughs> Talk to any ladies in here. They'll let you know. How much of your, what you believe to be your thoughts are actually just chemicals in your brain? Oh, it's getting quiet. I thought I had control. I thought I had the power to, I thought you're supposed to tell me I'm more than a conqueror. Yeah, we'll get to that. But first, you need to, to own up to the fact. Like, like listen, listen to podcasts from the, from the most rich people in the world, the, the Fortune 500 company CEOs. You know what the word they use more than any other word is luck. They talk about how lucky they are. And I'm like, dude, you work harder than anybody else that I know. You get up at 3.30 a.m., blah, blah, blah. And then they say, well, there's luck because I met that guy at that one thing. And then he kind of opened this door for me or I had this idea and it just sort of came to me. And well, yeah, they're not, they recognize they're not in control. They recognize that there's forces around them that are affecting their lives more than they can affect their lives. I think the same is true for, you know, Austin, Texas. I don't think any of us are really in control. We have a certain level of responsibility, but we do not have control over what happens to us, what happens to our kids, what happens to our country, what happens to uh, our, our church. We, we're not in control. What do you do with that truth? Well, one trap says, hey, here, here's, here's a way. Here's a way for you to be in control. Here's a way for you to be who you don't, who, who you really want to be. Shame is another trap that we, that we fall into. And the reason I think the should be behind that is we believe we should be ashamed. And you're like, why would anybody believe they should be ashamed? Well, because they are shameful. Scripture tells us that we have all fallen short of the glory of God, that we all have reason for shame. Very, I mean, you, you, if you just take a good look in the mirror and look, look at your past, look through your Facebook feed if you want, you'll find some reasons for shame. The, the enemy, see, this is why the trap is so, so powerful. 
because it's, it's deceptive and hollow. You know that? The scripture said it was deceptive and hollow philosophy. Deceptive means it presents itself as one thing, really it's something else. Hollow means it has really something on the outside, but it just doesn't have substance. But there's something there. There's some truth to the trap. And if, and if, if we don't face the truth of the trap, we'll always be stuck in the trap. So a, a couple more is, is, is depression. Depression is a trap that I've personally fallen into from time to time, and I have to look out for, I have to blepo, the Greek word, I got to keep an eye out for depression, because depression, by the time you're depressed, and I don't, I don't mean this in a clinical sense, I mean this in, in, a, in, a, uh, in a typical sense, uh, by the time you're depressed, it's too late. You've already fallen into the trap of I should be alone, when you already believe that you should be alone. Why would anybody believe that they should be alone? Well, you get rejected enough and you start to feel like maybe I should be alone. Maybe I just cause pain to other people. Maybe I just am a bother. That's what rejection will do. And who in here has not been rejected? If you raise your hand, I'll help you out. Uh, <laughs> give you your first rejection. Wrong. You have been rejected. I mean, because we've all been rejected by somebody somewhere has not believed in our infinite greatness. There's been people that haven't seen our amazing whatever. I mean, we have been rejected by somebody. We all have suffered rejection, but we all haven't fallen into depression. Only the ones that have bought into the trap of you should be alone. The final trap I want to look at is anger. Anger is entrapping so many of us. We hold on. We're stuck in a trap of anger because we believe we should be the justice maker or we should be the person to make things right. And there's some good points to that. If you believe you should make some stuff right, man, you'll, you'll be a warrior for the weak. You'll, you'll stand up for those who can't stand up for themselves, and that's really great. But the problem is, if, you always, if you're always trying to attack injustice, there is enough injustice in this world to keep you angry until you pass your expiration date. Basically, up until the day you die, you can be mad about something. And you're stuck. You can't relax. You can't rejoice. You can't celebrate. You can't, you can't be at peace because you're always burning up inside over stuff that idiots are doing. Because <laughs> there's so many idiots out there. Not here, of course. Just the 9 o'clock. There's so many knuckleheads out there. So many people doing so many dumb stuff. And it'll keep you in a doom loop of anger. It's a trap. And you don't like how it makes you feel. You don't like how it sends your blood pressure up. You don't like what it does to your body. You don't like what it, the ulcers it creates. That's the thing, man. This stuff is also killing us physically. It's also like the, the, our shoulds are dictating our shape of our life, but also, honestly, the shape of our body sometimes. It's, it's showing up. On the doctor's scans, it's showing up in the cancer. It's showing up in the stress and the anxiety. It is revealing itself. And our, we can't even, our bodies can't even heal themselves anymore. And our, and, our, and our sugar is through the roof because it's showing up. It is killing us. That's the purpose. The enemy wants to trap us and then slowly suffocate the life out of us. And until you see that, until you own up to the should be that you have believed, you never be free because that's actually the trap. But I, I, I do have to say that's the easier part of this. 
figuring out the lie you believed is the easier part, which is why usually in church, folks talk about the lies, and then we slap you with the truth, okay? So um, I should be ignored. No, you shouldn't. Jesus loves you. Um, I should be in control. Nope, because God's in control. I should be ashamed. No, because God's forgiven you of everything. I should be alone. No, because Jesus is always with you. We just, we, we take the opposite. We flip it. We smack a big Jesus sticker on people and tell them, go out and face the world and just take it on. Just be the opposite of everything you've been, starting one, two, three, now. And we wonder why it doesn't work. It's like, go, go, go walk on your head now. Go on. <laughs> That's tricky. I've been walking this way for a while. I can just walk on my head. I can just flip this. This, this is, this is, this is the, the, the problem with many of, of our traps is we didn't get in the trap because we were stupid. We got in the trap because we were relying on a particular philosophy that was connected or relying on human wisdom. Because there is truth to the trap. And so I've asked uh, for another slide to be put up that just what I feel as I've been studying and as I talk to people, I feel like the truth behind the trap. This is the harder part. You have to take a surgeon's blade and cut between the trap and the truth. Because every trap has a truth to it. Otherwise, you wouldn't have gone into the trap. You're not dumb. You are, you, you, you are following a particular wisdom that takes the truth and invites you into a trap. The truth, and if you don't face the truth about who you are, you'll never find freedom from the trap that the enemy keeps pulling you into because this is the button he keeps pushing. So the, the trap of pornography is that I should be ignored. And you believe you should be ignored because you followed human wisdom from the fact that you are insignificant. And I'm not going to tell you that you're not. Jesus indeed loves you. But that doesn't say anything to your significance. That says something to his great love. That's to his glory, not yours. That's to his praise, not ours. In fact, Jesus also says in the Old Testament that we are like grass, which today is and tomorrow is, well, look outside. It's brown. It's burnt. It's going away. You are not, I am not significant. We aren't permanent. We aren't great. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. How significant is that? He obviously is not trying to boost our self-esteem and tell us the opposite of what we fear about ourselves. He never said you and I were significant. No, he's significant. But I'm not. I'm, I'm this tall. I'm, 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 I'm a drop in the bucket. I, there's, there's, there's not much about me that people would recognize and say, oh yeah, I like that. And if there is a couple of things, there's a whole lot of stuff they don't like not that significant. We're addicted to food because we believe we should be in control because we fear that we are not in control, but you're not. And the sooner you can face the truth, the sooner you can get out of the trap. We, we feel that we should be ashamed because we actually are shameful, and we are. Our righteousness is like filthy rags, Scripture says. That's our good days. He didn't even bother describing the bad ones. That's doo-doo got shameful because we got doo-doo 
We, we believe we should be alone because we have been rejected and we have actually been rejected. We believe that we should be a justice maker because we have been mistreated and we have been mistreated. It's interesting. You could take any trap and you could just follow the logic. You could, t- you could find the should be behind the trap and then you got to divide the truth in that. Why did I believe that? What's true about me that the enemy can keep saying over and over and over again and keep leading me to the same trap? And then you got to have the courage, the guts to say that is true about me. Because this is why we go to the traps, isn't it? Because we don't want to believe that we are those things. And isn't that, isn't that the, 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 the offer of the trap? Look, you don't have to be this. You can be different than you are. You can be like, oh, what did the snake say? You can be like God, who is none of these things. Who is very significant, who is always in control, who has no reason for shame, who's never been rejected or mistreated. He is omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent. Um, he's all-knowing. He is everything. You could be like him. Just come into this trap. And it's a trick. But what I love about Scripture, Scripture is so honest with us, that in Colossians chapter 2, if we go back to that passage, he says, he says, uh, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and generally accepted wisdom, rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in other words, everything that is God fit inside of Jesus. Fullness, that means to fit. Now that's a theological lesson. At the end of a trap lesson. Because in the end, all of our problems are really theological problems. We don't understand Jesus. He says, I want you to look at Jesus. If you'll see Jesus, you'll see within him fit everything that is God. All of God fit in him. And then he says, after saying that, all of God fit in him. He says in verse 10, and in Christ you. Wait a minute. So Christ's body is big enough for all of God. It's also big enough for all of us. Or specifically you. For and in Christ you. All of God was in Christ and in Christ is you. This is what I think is fascinating about the body of Christ, the cross. Because we see there a reflection ourselves. Isaiah 53 says that he had no beauty. Jesus had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. So you feel insignificant? Look at Jesus. He had nothing. He had no good angles for his Instagram photo. It was ugly from every angle. He was, there was he's, nothing in his appearance was good. Not his nose, not his teeth. He was not the white, like the, 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 the guy in the movie that they, they, you know, strip him naked. He looks like he's been working out for the past 30 years, you know. Like, that's not Jesus. Nothing about his appearance that we should desire him. He had no beauty. He had no attractiveness. Nothing significant. He was not beautiful. He was not glorious. He, he had nothing. And in fact, in verse 3, he is despised and he is rejected. All that you are can fit inside of Jesus. You can find the truth about who you are in the body of Jesus. You've been rejected. He's rejected. You've been, you've been, you've, 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 you felt unattractive. He actually was unattractive. 
There was no attraction. Nobody was attracted to him. You got to be really unattractive for nobody to like your selfie on Facebook. Nobody. (laughs) He had nobody. In fact, he was despised. He was rejected. He was a man of sorrows. I think it's one of the reasons why we're addicted to Amazon Prime. Because we believe that we should feel excited. Because we do not want to believe that we are grieving. And he says right here that Jesus was acquainted with grief and we hid, that's us, as it were, our faces from him. We, he was despised by us. We did not esteem him. We thought he was insignificant. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened out his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter. He was not in control. He was led. Somebody, you know how sheep is led to slaughter. They don't go because they want to. It's not their bright idea for the morning. <laughs> They're not like, yeah, let's go over there, the scary guy with the knife. No, that's not how that works. He was led. And Jesus even said this to Peter. He said, just like I was crucified, you also, Peter was going to be crucified as well. And he said, you will be led to where you don't want to go. Because Jesus knows what it is to be led to where he doesn't want to go. What? You mean God was out of control? God was a victim? And yet, he opened not his mouth. Why? Because if he would have opened his mouth, a thousand angels would have come down and he would have been back in control. This is the beauty of the gospel. That God, Christ, who actually was everything we want to be. He actually was everything we wanted to be. He became everything we we were afraid that we were. He took on the form of everything we were afraid that we, we were so afraid that we were out of control. We were so afraid that we were rejected. We were so afraid that we were insignificant. And we kept trying to ignore that by taking all these traps. And yet he took that on and he said, look, here I am out of control. Here I am insignificant. Here I am ugly. He became God who actually is everything that we want, became everything that we were afraid that we were. Why would he do that? So that we could see that everything that we actually are can fit in him. You can be yourself in him. There's room for you. There's room for your rejection. There's room for your grief. There's room for your, there's no room for your traps. (laughs) There's no room for the lies. There's no room for the trap. But the truth in the trap, there's room for that. There's room for you. You just look at the cross and there is Jesus and there is the one who was rejected and yet he didn't fall for the trap. That's my issue. When I'm rejected, I believe I should be alone. That's the trap. Jesus didn't say that. Jesus looked at his disciples. He said, you all are going to forsake me, but my father will never forsake me. So I have been rejected, but I do not believe I should be alone. I'm going to still reach out for connection. I'm still going to believe that I should be connected forever to my Father. Jesus lost control, but he never once felt, he never once bought the lie that he should be in control. He didn't open his mouth to gain it, to gain control. He could have. But he said, no. There's something greater than control going on here. There's something greater than feeling rejected going on here. I can, I can take all of that stuff because the, all of that can fit inside of me. And this is what it means to be free of our trap, is to take the truth of who we are to the cross and to look at Jesus and look what he did. You say, well, I don't really know what was going on in his head. 
That's why I asked him. That's why I said, Lord, how do you forgive people that are nailing nails into your hand? How do you do that? I mean, I see you did it, but how do I do it? This is, this is the key. You don't know how to do it just by watching him do it. You know how to do it by him living inside of you. Which is why he says, all of God fit in Jesus. And in Jesus, we are being filled up or we are being brought to fullness. It's the filling of the Holy Spirit inside of us that when we take an honest approach about who we are and we take that to the cross and then we ask him, what do I do with who I am? Because I know the enemy has been telling me, based on his logic, I should be this. That's not working. Because every time I feel I should be that, I get stuck. And so what do I do with this? So it starts with just, Jesus said, if anyone's thirsty, let him come to me and drink. You'd like to close your eyes right now, and if you'd like to receive that drink from him, which is the Spirit, John said. John said in chapter 7, he said that Jesus spoke that about the Spirit that would be poured out on those who believed in him. And that's the key. The Holy Spirit is the one who teaches us what to do with who we are. You'll never, that's why you'll never get free from traveling until you're filled baptized with the Holy Spirit, saturated with the Holy Spirit. If you want to receive the Holy Spirit, would you just raise your hands with me right now? If you're watching online, you can raise your hands wherever you are. Jesus said, look, if you know how to give good gifts to your kids, how much more will the Holy Spirit give the gift? How much more will the Father give the gift of the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? That's all you do. You ask. Say, Father, I want to be saturated in the Holy Spirit. I want to be flooded and baptized in the person of the Holy Spirit, who is, who is the Spirit of Christ, who is the Spirit of wisdom, who, 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 teaches, who teaches me all things. I want to know what to do with who I am. Be saturated with the Holy Spirit. Come fill my heart. Come fill my life. Come fill my home. Come fill my, my church. Come fill my car. Come fill my, my schedule. Come, come saturate me. Saturate the dry ground, the soil of my heart. All of these truths, they're seeds, and, and they keep trapping me when I'm, when, I'm, when, I'm, when I'm misapplying them, but they're actually powerful seeds that, that can be watered truth of my rejection can be watered by the Holy Spirit and can grow to a, a powerful tree of, of forgiveness and, 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 and grace reaching out to other people. Lord, would you, would you take the seeds that have been falling on, falling on my hard soil and soften it up, soften my heart with your spirit. I choose to follow you. I choose to say yes to you. I choose to question every trap question every should be in my life see if it's dependent on you or if it's dependent on common sense <laughs> or what this world thinks I choose to submit it to you examine it lay it before you for you to tell me what you want me to do with who I am it's in your name that we pray Lord in Jesus name amen